It's good to see each one out tonight. God bless you. And it uh, doesn't seem possible, but there's just one more evening left. I don't like the sound of that myself, but uh, maybe some do. <laughs> it could be. But uh, thank you for coming tonight. I want to just uh, say thank you to those that have practiced these specials. You don't just get up there and do that, you know. And uh, it takes time. And it takes oftentimes sacrifice to uh, lay aside and come away to participate in music and uh, those who have played the instruments and continue to do so. Appreciate it so very, very much. It makes uh, meetings like this real special. Um, continue to pray. Don't let up just because tomorrow evening's the final night of these special meetings, I think you've just gotten really started in some good old-fashioned revival, and um, you don't know what the Lord's going to do as people begin to pray more fervently and uh, realize that the time is near, close, and people are perishing every day around us, and we've got one walking the aisle already tonight. It's wonderful. I appreciate that. And... um, I've had uh, lots of those in the past, and some are still walking, but it's so good to uh, be able to admonish us that uh, the Lord's working 24-7 by His Spirit, and uh, He can uh, continue the uh, effort and the sacrifice that's already been made for these meetings. I came to Australia 50 years ago in June, this past June, not realizing for one moment that uh, I would ever be back here to do what I've done for the last 42 years here. As a matter of fact, I really didn't have Christianity on my mind at all when I first came to Australia. I had uh, one thing on my mind, and that was to eat some really good food. Uh, Truly, that was one of my passions. I had been Uh, in the uh, combat zone up there in Vietnam, and all we got were these freeze-dried rations and canned stuff that I don't even want to describe. So when I came to Australia, I said, I want to experience the Australian cuisine. And by the way, I did, and I loved it. It was the first time that I'd ever had a roast lamb dinner in my life, uh, we uh, were not, a cu- I don't think I can ever remember having lamb growing up. But when I fell in love, or when I got to the Summit restaurant in Sydney, and they had roast lamb up there, I stayed for two trips around. It takes an hour. Now it's go around, I stayed two trips around, they finally asked me to leave. <laughs> they, they said, look, you've eaten so much lamb, we don't know if the elevator can take you back down. Let me just toss you out. But um, I'll tell you this, I fell in love with Australia. And our wonderful God made it possible for me to uh, come back again and again and again. And uh, I think you can understand the emotion. When I flew into Australia as a Christian, 
I had my Australian wife sitting next to me and our little three-year-old girl. And I looked down over the heads of Sydney with all the red tile roofs and the beautiful sea banging up against the rocks. And I thought about a wonderful God who had saved me and how he had forgiven me all my sin. My sins have been cast in the depths of the sea. Oh, down deep in the sea. So deep they shall never be brought against me. Oh, down deep in the sea. Down, 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 down. Down in the depths of the sea. Oh, the sins of my past. They're all gone at last, down in the depths of the sea. My soul is rejoicing, my sins are all gone, yes, down deep in the sea. And I praise my dear Lord, who has cast every one, oh, down deep in the sea, down, 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 down. Down in the depths of the sea, oh, the sins of my past, they're all gone at last. Down in the depths of the sea, from sin's condemnation, I now am set free. Oh, down deep in the sea, and all of the dread of my sin is all gone. Yes, down deep in the sea. Down, 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 down. Down in the depths of the sea. All oh, the sins of my past. Praise God, they're gone at last, down in the depths of the sea. The Mariana Trench is just above Australia. It's deeper than Mount Everest is high. And I'm thankful that God has a deeper sea than even that to cast my sins. Amen? Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to Revelation chapter 6. Now, I'm not going to preach a prophetic message tonight, but I want to illustrate from this passage uh, something which all of us need to be concerned about, even though if you're a saved person here tonight, you will not be on earth when this takes place. But there is something very important here for all of us because of what the writer of the book of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 3 when he said this, Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Now, we have a society, a culture, 
a world in which we're living where people's hearts are very hard. Uh, they're hardened through the processes of life under the curse that God put upon the earth. Life is a struggle. Now, many of us are not struggling as much as others because we have uh, some very fortunate places to work and fortunate places to live. But still, the struggle of life is there for us in the sense that the enemy is constantly doing his best to distract us from God. He's constantly working to distract us from the truth of God's love for your eternal soul. And so we have a struggle going on uh, in life, which all people face, trying to make a living, trying to have some security, trying to have some creature comforts, trying to uh, get our children raised, trying to get them educated. It's a struggle, but that's part of the curse, man making his living under the sweat of his brow, etc., etc. And yet, even knowing that, it's possible for you and I uh, to harden our hearts to a place where the seed of the Word of God uh, can't penetrate. And without the penetration of the seed of the Word of God, there'll be no salvation for you. Now, my proposal tonight is if the Bible says harden not your heart, then I say we can soften our heart as well. I say that we can uh, do things in our life to bring us into a place where uh, we can listen, hear the word of God, and by hearing the word of God, we can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's for maybe one or two people here tonight that have never trusted Christ. I propose that the majority of us here tonight, and I know many of you who have shared with me your faith and genuine love of Christ, still the same. I think we can uh, harden our hearts toward several things. And I would that we could soften our hearts, that we could have hearts like Christ. And uh, we should emulate and try to uh, be as much like Christ as we possibly can, knowing that we'll never fully have the character of Christ until we're made like him and we see him as he is in the end. But we can sure work at it and I think there are, are some things which can help us to soften our hearts especially when we're tempted to harden them. Now some people make me want to harden my heart. I'll guarantee you that. They want to make me harden my heart toward their need of salvation. They do outlandish things. They do things which are cruel. They do things which are unseemly. They do things which are anti-human. And uh, it makes me want to harden my heart toward them and not give them the time of day when it comes to ministering the Word of God to them. I confess that. But when that happens, I have to take a fresh look at the cross of Calvary. As the Bible says, Jesus died for the sins of all mankind, especially them that believe. Now, there's some other things that cause me to want to harden my heart. 
I see people prosper who have robbed and cheated and stolen and uh, defrauded people, and I'd like to go and just grab them about the neck and shake them a little bit and get some of those shekels to fall out of their pocket and return them to those that they wronged. When I was a police officer, I had an opportunity to do that. <laughs> yeah. They'd say, listen here, you, you criminal. But I can't do that anymore. But God's given me one better. He said, I've got something for you. And our battle is not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. So get on your knees and call down almighty God's power upon that person. And I think we need to understand that we can do this. We need to soften our heart toward the criminals, not that they need to get off of their justly appointed sentences. I mean, you do the crime, you do the time. Amen? I don't think some of you believe that. <laughs> you do the crime, you do the time. Amen. Amen. need to let some people know that that's what we feel. But, nevertheless, we don't want to harden our hearts toward them. Now, how hard can a man's heart get? How hard? Um, this particular passage amazes me every time I read it. Uh, and I think we just go through it a little bit and you'll understand where I'm coming from. Revelation chapter 6, starting at verse 12. says, And I behold, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. And every mountain and island were moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us! And hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that you would give us perhaps a new understanding of just how hard our hearts could become. Uh, Lord, I pray that there would be a, a moving of thy spirit to soften us to hear this. That we would not be so hard like Pharaoh of old, who hardened his heart. And others who daily hardened their hearts with the layers of disappointment and the layers of discouragement in the struggle of life. 
So, Lord, I pray you'd help me and help the hearer of the word of God tonight. If there be one or two, maybe more, who know not Christ as Savior, help them to see the Spirit of God soften the heart where they can have the word of God enter in and give them light of understanding if they need Christ. So have your will and way in every heart now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I've met some people that are pretty hard-hearted. Um, and it's quite easily for me to see that because that's pretty much where I was. I was a very hardened individual after seeing my best or losing my best friend in the war and uh, different things that took place when I returned when we were called a bunch of baby killers and they threw rotten tomatoes at us and all kinds of things as we exited the plane and we were told that we were warmongers and all those things, I became very bitter and very hard. And uh, that's one of the reasons I joined the state police in New York so that I could do my best to make other people's lives as miserable, if not more miserable, than mine. And uh, I am told I did a very good job at it, for which I'm ashamed of now. But uh, nevertheless, God forgave me all my sin. That's why I like to sing that song. Uh, reminds me that those things are past and under the blood. Uh, but here's the truth. Uh, God tells us, harden not our hearts. Don't. Don't harden your heart. I mean, there's all kinds of things, as I said before, and a, and a host of others that can cause you to want to callous up. You know how your hands, men get calloused, and, and uh, when you're working with uh, hand tools, etc. Well, our hearts can get hardened up through uh, different things in the world as we see the atrocities as we see the cruelties, as we see the different things that man does one to another, and we just say, let me away from it, and let me get away so I can just live a peaceable life. And we harden ourselves so we don't even so much as utter a prayer for those who are endangered on the streets of Sydney and Melbourne tonight. And we just had a perfect example of that at Burke Street the other day. Innocence, suffering, innocent people. And of course, in your country and in mine, uh, we've hardened ourselves now to where we don't care about all the babies that are being aborted. It doesn't matter to us anymore. We just kind of, it's the way it is. We stop praying against it. Now, we can't do much about it except God move in the hearts of legislators and judges and all of that and that's up to him but I want you to know if we're not praying against it that blood's on our hands we need to pray against it don't harden your heart to it pray against that stuff if anybody ever says to you I'm going to go have an abortion you tell them listen wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute reconsider pray for them pray that God would get into their heart before they make a bad decision which will wreck their lives. There's lots of things that harden us up. When we see these pedophiles and others get away with uh, ruining the lives of young men and women for all their life. It was just that one in Sydney the other day. 
sentenced to nine years. He's 81 years old. Can you imagine? I don't know. Maybe, maybe you saw him. You know, he's a big old fat guy. And he's walking on a cane like this across the street. They, the paparazzi didn't even have to run after him. They just took the pictures. And this guy was guilty of interfering with young men in Adelaide. And so when it, the, it got too hot for him down there, they moved him up to North Sydney. And he wrecked the lives of many a young man. And they interviewed them on public TV and asked them, how do you feel about the sentence? And one guy says, the sentence is not good enough. They should have sent him directly to hell on, on TV. Why? Because he said, I'm now an alcoholic and I'm depressed and I'm, uh, my life is wrecked. My family's a wreck. And it's all because of what this guy did to me when I was a young man. Now that hardens the heart. Remember, God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. That's why Christ died for him. Doesn't make it any easier, but don't harden your heart Four out of every six girls, three out of every five boys have experienced some sort of interference when they're young. It can harden your heart. You can become embittered, hateful. This thing just plagues the mind. Put all that aside. Other things can harden your heart. Life is not fair. It's not right that someone who cheats gets promoted. It's not right that someone who takes a stand and is filled with integrity on the job gets passed over. It's not right. It's unfair. And it can harden you up. It can make you uh, feel like everything's against you. And you know what? The devil sits on the fence of your life with a big smile on his, on his face and knows that the harder he can make your heart and the harder you make it, the harder it's going to be for the word of God to penetrate it where it can bring forth the fruit of salvation. And he laughs at humanity as we go around as a victim all the time. A lot of things will harden our hearts. But how hard can a heart get? Well, we are approaching, and Pastor and I have been talking a little bit about it, uh, different things we've been reading lately, and uh, the forecast of the prophetic calendar, etc. And... Uh, what takes place here in Revelation 6 takes place after the church is removed. But so oftentimes people look at prophecy like a play. They see the curtain come across and that scene is over and the curtain closes. Then the curtain opens up and it's another scene. But listen, that's not how prophecy works. Prophecy is in preparing all the time. Things are happening right now in our world, in our lives, which are preliminary and preparatory 
toward what Revelation 6 is going to be. Can you imagine? I mean, just think now. And by the way, the majority of us are looking at this from this side of salvation. This side. And we look at this and we say, I can't imagine how I would ever become so hardened that I could look at the cross of Calvary and the suffering Christ and spit upon him and ridicule him and mock him. Because we're looking at it from this side where we heard the precious love of God and that he did all of that for us. And we fell on our face and said, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me. And, and we're looking at it from that angle. But prior to that, I don't know how you felt about Christ. Maybe he was just a symbol of Christmas. I don't know. Maybe you just didn't think about it. But now the majority of us here tonight are looking at it from this angle. How hard can a heart get? To reject the absolute love of God displayed and manifested on Calvary's cross. To say, I don't want it, God. I just don't want you to mess with my life. And I don't want you to uh, put any portion of grace or mercy in my life. I think it's a bunch of tripe. Just leave me alone. I want to live my life the way I want to live. And we harden our hearts. We're looking at it from this point and saying, how could I ever have looked God in the face and rejected the love of God and the, and the Christ of Calvary and gone away from him? Even when I was a young man, I said, I don't want it. I don't want to be constricted. I don't want to be restricted. I don't want to have to walk a holy life. Because I'd heard a lot of legalism. I didn't hear how wonderful it is to be in Christ. And God has given us all things to enjoy. You know, I didn't get much of that preaching when I was young. Under the pure, all things are pure. But now, as we think about how hard can a man's heart get. These people, listen, my soul. These people who are observing, first and foremost, he said, and lo, there's a great earthquake, and this is not some little tremor. This is an earthquake which causes the isles of the sea and the mountains to be moved. A worldwide catastrophic earthquake. This is not just a mild tremor of seven or eight points on the Richter scale. This is a crust-breaking, monumental, great earthquake. Now, I've been shaken in an earthquake. Maybe not as much as some of you. But I've got to confess, I don't like the fact that the earth begins to rumble under my feet. Because I have no idea where it's going to end. I've seen the results of some big earthquakes, bridges collapsing and houses falling down mountains and, and all of the ramifications of uh, mud flowing down the streets and all of those things. But this is a great earthquake. So great, it shakes the solar system in which we live. 
the sun, 93 million miles from our planet, is affected by this earthquake. It says this great earthquake causes the sun to become black as sackcloth of hair. Uh, they've got a, a little uh, projectile headed to the sun right now. They're going to try to find out what makes the sun tick. Before it gets to where it can find out what makes it tick, it's going to be talk. You know, it's going to be finished. But anyway, they're man's feeble efforts, right? You know, we, we may make a, a rocket to Mars, but when they get there, they're going to be disappointed that there's nobody else to say hello. The, the, the sun is black as sackcloth, and the moon becomes as blood. What a frightful sight that would be. I mean, with this kind of phenomena, I would have to say to myself, as a sensible, realistic human being, I'd have to say, man, something's going wrong here, you know. Something a lot bigger than an atomic bomb. Something that's caused the solar system to have major changes goes on it says and the stars of heaven fell unto earth even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind the stars there are we're not talking about meteorites here or even asteroids we're talking about big stars many of which are a whole lot bigger than our little planet of 25,000 miles around and 8,000 miles through. This always thrills me when I, when I read this. I think about the fact that the Bible says God holdeth the world in its place by the word of his power. Now I want to ask you, if you are playing pool, and you slam the, the cue ball into the, the balls on the table, what happens? Everywhere. For me, they never go into pockets. But here comes a star which is a hundred times larger than the world in which I live, and it's falling upon the earth with, uh, with how many figs are on a fig tree, a big one? Hundreds. And these stars that are just falling like untimely figs falling from a tree are hitting the earth, and the earth remains solid in its place. It should be acting like a ping pong ball from one end of the universe to the other. But God holds it in its place. And man sits there and says, oh my. The sun is black, the moon is blood, and the stars are ping-ponging off the earth. There's got to be something happening that I need to know about. Not only that, it says, And the heaven departed as a scroll when it's rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. So we got all this physical phenomena taking place, and men and women, kings and, 
and, and, and uh, mighty captains and rich people and bondmen and slaves and every free man, they don't repent and say, oh God, we have sinned against you. No. They say, I want to hide from this God who's bringing down his wrath upon the earth and think that I might escape. So I'll crawl in a little den with a couple of bears. You ever crawl in a den with a bear? Well, it's not a pretty picture. It's smelly for one thing. And if it wakes up, you don't want to wrestle it. But these people, listen, they're crawling in dens rather than to simply look up into God's face and say, Dear God, please forgive me. I'm a sinner and I, I, I want to ask you to save me. No, no. Their heart has been so hardened. Their heart has been so layered that they believe somehow that this has nothing to do with them. That they just need to hide. And, and after they hide for a little while, they'll come out. I remember when the fires went through. Down there where some of our acquaintances were killed. and You brought that man to the meeting that crawled up under the culvert down there at King Lake. Yeah. Came to Benella. His next door neighbor, some of us knew, they died. He crawled up in a culvert when the fire came through there and burned everything to an ash. And you know what he was concerned about? He said, I lost my seven cars that I'd been collecting in a barn. I said, how about your soul? He said, well, I did almost die, you know. He said... I got up in that culvert and thought I was just going to suffocate. And I said, but will you consider? And now, I don't know, Brother Walker. Maybe he's been saved since I talked to him last. I have no idea. But he had a hardened heart. He didn't want to talk about getting saved. He wanted to talk about his vehicles that he had been collecting. I told you, I've run into some people that have a pretty hard heart. But nothing like this. And yet, progressively, mankind is marching toward this place. Now, I believe, as the Bible teaches, that when Jesus comes back in the clouds of the sky and the trumpets are sound and the dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, I believe that there's going to be a lot of Schofield Bibles, Thomas Chain Bibles, all kinds of good study Bibles left behind in your homes. And when you're missing, some of your neighbors just might come over the threshold of your house and find one. Because people are going to get saved after the rapture. But it's going to be one horrific horror mess of a place to try to live. But then most of them will come to Revelation chapter 6 and they'll say, we can get away. 
we can still escape. We're smarter than God. We'll uh, just hide in a den, crawl up and hide with a creature in a den somewhere and ask the rocks and the mountains to fall on us. You could ask Mount Everest to plant itself right on top of you and God's going to know right where you are. How hard can man harden his heart? Well, people do it every day in my meetings. They do. Seriously. I tell them how wonderful the Bible says God is and how God has allowed us to hear about his love and his salvation and that he's paid the price for all our sin to be forgiven with the blood of Jesus Christ and And all he wants is you to agree with him that you're a sinner. Turn from your way and go God's way through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. That's all God asks. And yet people go, I don't think so. Thanks very much. I'll find a better way. I'll uh, I'll locate uh, some little holy place on the planet. And when all of this wrath breaks loose on the planet, I'll be safe and secure in my little hideaway. I kind of laugh at myself sometimes, most of the time. I have to be honest. I have these fanciful thoughts. I'd like a cabin. Lovely porch. A couple of fishing rods. In a beautiful trout stream filled with not just trout, but every fish in the world. Just sit there and, and watch the world go by. Unaffected. Well, it's, what's wrong with that? Well, you can't do it. You're in the world. You can't find a place of peace without Jesus Christ. Try as you may, try as you might, you'll fail every time. I mean, look at the billions that people who have a hard heart toward God spend trying to find a little getaway somewhere. Oh, we're going up to the mountains this weekend, Pastor. We, we, just, we just can't take the stress. We won't be in church. We, 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 we got to get up to, the, up to the cottage, you know. Well, I don't have a problem with that once or twice a year. Go for it. But every other weekend, how do you become a Sunday school teacher? How do you become a worker in God's church when you're being a nomad traveling all over the place going for your little hideaway somewhere where you're going to have peace? I tried it. at flat tires. (laughs) I mean, I bought one of these C-class motorhomes, you know. Take my little Australian woman with me. We're just going to ride up the road and in between meetings... Up in Canada and places, we're just going to have a wonderful time. That's what got to me. I was trying to have a wonderful time. <laughs> Flat tires. You pull into the, uh, the campground or the, the site, and you got to get out and put a piece of wood under this wheel and a, and a chalk under this wheel, and you get back in ready to sit down in your little hideaway and relax. And the wife says, it's not level. You know, it's, it's, can't sleep in the bed like that, can't, you know, can't cook, can't, you know, just, you, so, 
Start it back up, back it back down, put another chalk on there, drive it up, and it falls off. The dishes fall off the shelf. And she's, she's what, what are you doing, Glenn? I said, I'm trying to have a little peace and a little quiet and uh, just to get away from all the stress, darling. And by the time we get done leveling it, I have lost my appetite. It's hard to do. Oh, but pastor, I'm sure you understand. Pastor Boker told me this story. He was my pastor years ago. And uh, it's, it's good to illustrate this. He said, listen, had this wonderful family. Guy was a deacon in my church, a great fella. And he said, one day I pulled into church and I was getting out, just putting my coat on. Room, in comes this big four-wheel drive truck with a big old boat on the back of it. And he says, okay, children, have a nice time in Sunday school. Brother Boker said, something's up here. So he walked over and he said, hey, Joe, how's it going? Oh, pastor, listen, my friend here is in from, uh, you know, New York or wherever. He was, he was from Mars, I guess. Anyway, he said, my friend's in. He's, got, he's only got Sunday afternoon, and I want to take him out and show him how the new boat works and maybe catch fish. He said, so you're dropping the children off to Sunday school, are you? Yeah, oh yeah, they, they need it. <laughs> you know. Besides, I don't have life jackets for them. <laughs> Gets better. Brother Boker said, wait a minute. Took his tie off, took his coat off, threw it in his car, comes over and starts crawling in the truck. And the, and the deacon looks at him and says, hey, what are you doing, Pastor. And Brother Boker said, well, you're not going to be in church, so why do I got to bother? Let's go fishing. True story. They didn't go fishing. And the guy sold his boat the next week. So it's too much of a temptation. Now, I wish he'd sold it to me because I, uh, you know, I can endure temptation. How hard can the heart get, and how quickly can it happen? I was in a man's home. I was in the singing men of temple, and I was invited to stay overnight there in their home. And the lady told me on the way back from the concert at church, she said, my husband's not a happy man, and he will not even talk to you. I said to my friend that was with me, I said, I'm going to find out what makes him tick. And so I went and I stood in front of him. He was watching the telly. I got right between him and the telly. I said, hello, sir. My name's Glenn Weeks. He said, so? Get out of the way. And I said, no. Make me. He said, I will if you make me. I said, let's tango. But I put my hand out and I said, no, seriously. I said, I want you to know I'm thankful that you've given me a place to stay tonight and I apologize for my attitude. He looked up at me and he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, let me go put my stuff in the gear and I'll watch the game with you. He said, well, there's some pop in the fridge. He had a, a brewski. I, I didn't want one of those. You know what a brewski is? Oh, it's a stubby. Brown bottle. I gave that away when I got saved. Amen? Amen. Holy mo! Wow! 
You mean you actually gave up the devil's brew? Well, some Christians today think it's okay. I just, you know, I'm checking. Forgive me. We're almost done here. Stay with me. Make a long story short, I spent the night with that man up in an airplane. He was a pilot. We're flying over Disneyland, Disney World in Florida. And he puts it in a nosedive so that I can see Mickey Mouse's eyes. <laughs> and he's doing all of this stuff. And I said, are you trying to make me air sick? He said, no, I'm trying to put the fear in you. I said, well, I don't have a problem with dying. I'm on my way to heaven. How about you? So we land. Go back to the house. By this time, we're kind of friendly. And, you know, and, and he said, are you hungry? I said, I'm always hungry. <laughs> he said, what would you like? I said, lashings of bacon and eggs and toast and mushrooms. And brother, it was wonderful. And the little old lady, or the little lady, not the little old lady, but the little lady comes out rubbing her eyes and saying, what's going on? He said, Glenn was hungry, and so we're having some food, just go back to bed. I'll take him back to the church. He has to be back there at 6.30 to get the bus to the next church. She stood there with her draw, jaw on the floor. Story is this. He had been a Sunday go to meet in Christian. She had a wonderful bouncing baby boy. God said, I want that boy when he was two years old, and he got bitter. And wouldn't so much as go to church. How hard can the heart get, and how fast can it happen? The death of a loved one. The financial reversal, the ill health, the broken body, the broken health. These things can do it to us. We need to soften our hearts by keeping our face toward the cross. And by reading and studying, perusing the word of God, and asking God to help us to keep a soft and tender heart so that he can speak to us and we don't resist him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this hour. I pray that none of us would be guilty of a hard heart here today. But Lord, obviously all of us have felt that callous in the past. And we certainly don't want it again. So Lord, I pray tonight that we would remember, harden not your heart as in the day of provocation. Lord, help us to be soft and tender that we might receive the engrafted word, that we might see salvation spring forth if we're unsaved, and for Christians that we might have a closer walk for all those that draw nigh unto Christ, he'll draw nigh unto them. So have your way. Now, Father, you know every heart that's here, and I pray that you would move on us as you would have us to respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen.